The Diatribe podcast promotes unfiltered and honest conversations for people of color. These conversations are centered around real life experiences. Through storytelling, each episode encourages openness, self-love, self-care, and balance. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Diatribe podcast. <laughs> um, today, I have someone on the show who I absolutely love and adore just so much. You're going to totally love her too after this episode. You're going to see why. Her name is Shania Davis, and today we're going to be talking about colorism and how it's no secret it affects communities all over the world. Probably every community involving people of color that I can think of particularly those South Asian communities and specifically in the black communities is what we're going to be talking about today. And Shanira is a super insightful woman and she's actually someone who I met on Instagram. We haven't met in person yet, which it's going to happen this year. We're manifesting it. We connected instantly. Like her vibe and energy is everything. She's just a beautiful woman who has so much knowledge and insight, and she's just somebody you like to be around. You know, we all have those people that you just love being around or talking to or sharing space with. I just, yeah, I feel grateful to share space with her on this planet. It's crazy because I remember coming across your profile for the first time and really just being drawn to your energy. And I think one of the first pictures I saw of you, you were in this beautiful outfit but I remember seeing a picture of you and Reina and I was like, oh, how beautiful, like just the love that was just coming from that picture. And I was like, this woman is so great. And I never even met her, talk to her, but I could just tell she's great. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And I felt the same way about you. And then what was beautiful about it is the more I sort of followed you and actually read your posts and interacted with you and watched you grow, I kind of learned a lot right. um, from you. And I want you to take a moment to introduce yourself sure, to everybody. Sure, sure. So my name is Shanir Davis, and I'm from Newburgh, New York, which is probably like an hour north of Manhattan. Um, so I'm pretty close to New York City. And I am an emotional wellness activist. I am a writer. Writing is one of my life passions. And I pride myself on doing soul work with women of color. Like that is just my cup of tea right there. I, I love women. I love uh, the power and strength and beauty of women. And I, and I just want to see us all win. So I kind of fuse writing, emotional wellness work, um, as well as work with women all into one <laughs> on my platform. That intro you just gave us, that description about yourself, doesn't even do you justice, Aww. if I'm being honest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Guys, before we started recording, Shanir and I were literally like, we have so much to talk about, as always, but we kind of want to break it down and focus on colorism because Shanir is a black yes. woman and I'm a brown woman who, and I'm raising a, a biracial daughter, so I kind of just learn so much yeah. from the black women in my life. And I don't take that for granted at all, you know, and I want to tell my, my brown people out there, it's not enough to just have black friends. Don't just ask for favors and handouts. Don't ask them, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Buy yeah. them a coffee and ask them what your thoughts on something is, you know, like, and yeah. So I wanted to talk about colorism with you and it's really not a secret. Colorism affects yeah. communities all over the world. Um, 
particularly the Black diaspora. And historically, slavery and colonialism go hand in hand, and colorism is a result of that. It sounds so harsh, but let me just break it down on a real level. History of slavery and colonialism has resulted in colorism within the diasporic South Asian communities and specifically in the Black diasporic communities where millions of African individuals were literally shipped during the Atlantic slave trade. And all of these kind of, you know, colorism and these mentalities that we all grew up with or have is just a result of colonialism. And why is colorism so damn prevalent still in Black communities? Honestly, I think it's because a lot of Black people haven't really acknowledged internalized racism in the ways in which we need to in order to heal. Mm. I think that there is this thing that is present in many Black communities. And yes, we're getting better. And yes, we are a lot more aware of it, but it still needs to be fixed. And it's like this it's like the big elephant in the room. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows it's there. Some of us choose to acknowledge it and work through it while others of us choose to just be okay with it. And I think because it is something that is so deeply embedded into our psychological thought process, it's going to take a lot of of unlearning. So one of the things that I teach too many women of color, people of color in general, is that Black people are obviously still healing from a lot of post-traumatic stress. Um, And along with post-traumatic stress comes evolutionary psychology. And basically what evolutionary psychology is, is it's a generational way of thinking that is passed down. Um, And this way of thinking can be passed down based off of survival needs, emotional needs, anything that we feel is helping us, we pass this way of thinking down from generation to generation. And one of the things that I see present is even in my um, family. Now, my mom has always praised my skin tone. She's always told me I was beautiful and chocolate and all those great things. And even growing up, she made efforts to buy us Barbies and dolls that looked like us, that were brown, because she wanted us to see ourselves in the things and the toys that we played with. But I remember being around some of my lighter cousins and especially some of my grandparents and their mentality of just like, oh, Oh, wow, Shanir, you know, you're you're black as hell. Like, or, you know, in the summertime, I remember intentionally trying to stay out of the sun because I knew that I was going to get backlash from family members, just feeling so unpretty. So I think I, I just couldn't understand because I'm like, you know, my mom is telling me I'm pretty and I'm beautiful, but yet I'm seeing another family members. And especially in regards to men or boys, you know, as an adolescent, they seem to be even less attracted to me with the, the darker I got. And I'm referring to black boys, you know, black ad- adolescents. So it was really hard because I asked myself the same question. Like, why is it that my my mom or, you know, certain people around me are telling me I look beautiful, but people aren't treating me like such? It's so powerful that you say that because it really trickles down. And I guess that you could say it really trickles down to your grandparents kind of having that mentality where, you know, don't be seen, don't be heard, and you'll stay out of trouble kind of thing, you know, and don't get too dark because you were already dark enough. And instead of, 
I guess they were never told to embrace it because they literally couldn't, you know, we definitely live in a different society now and there's a lot of work to do, but thinking about your grandparents, they really could not. And it's so beautiful that your mom did embrace the beautifulness in your melanin and, you know, gave you guys black Barbies and really showed you that the world looks like you it's not something to be ashamed of it's not something you should hide and I think a lot of it too is unconscious internalized racism and I say that because so every Wednesday Shanae and her sister um go on their Instagram page and I will post her Instagram for you guys to follow and they have wine Wednesdays and it's anywhere between, you know, 9 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. And they just talk about real shit. And last night, I missed it because I was at a Black History event that my husband was speaking at, but I tuned in this morning. I always listen to your your stuff if I miss it. (laughs) And it was so, everything you guys said was so, it was articulated so well and it was just so real, but all due respect to this brother that was speaking to you guys, but he was totally embodying what I mean by unconscious internalized racism by trying to say that that's not a thing. Um, We need these hierarchies uh, with color because that's human biology, which Mm -hmm. it's not human biology. We were taught that with all due respect to him. I didn't think Mm -hmm. that was right to say um do you want to talk a little bit about how you and your sister felt about that yes yes so first off like we always try to be very understanding even if we don't agree Mm -hmm. I think it's important to come from a neutral um place of just all right understand why people feel the way they feel gain more insight before you know listen to receive not listen to respond sometimes and so as you know um this young man was voicing his opinion. (laughs) I think immediately my first response was to get defensive. And my sister, I could Mm -hmm. tell in her facial expressions, especially knowing your sisters, you're I I know what she's thinking before she even says it. Mm -hmm. And so I can tell, you know, we felt like, all right, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no. You know, like I get it. We're open. We're open to hearing different perspectives and we invite them. But what we're not going to do is not acknowledge systemic oppression, marginalization, how the lack of resources does account for a lot of the struggles that Black people go through, especially in North America and the United States in which I live in. Right. So, um, right. and I feel like I understood his perspective when he was, you know, saying that uh, biologically we are are all equal, which is true. Biologically, black people, white people, whatever race of person you consider yourself to be, we are literally all equal. Mm -hmm. But systemically, and based off of the foundation that the United States was, you know, colonized on, we are not equal, no matter how much we view ourselves as equal, no matter how much money or wealth we acquire, we still are not treated equal. And that's where my frustration was, because I think this gentleman was voicing his opinion based off of his experience possibly and how he grew up. But I'm like, for myself, somebody who has grown up in the hood in the suburbs, I've experienced all different realms of being black, all different cultures of being black in the United States. And I can honestly say no matter how much you do or don't have, you are still reminded that your ass is black. Even for South Asians, we were all 
of course there's different different colors and whatnot and it's based on the geography of where we're originated from and just the sun literally <laughs> um but we were told or taught to use that as differences yeah. in terms of hierarchy but at the end of the day to the colonizers yeah. we're all brown and to the colonizers yeah. you're all black it doesn't matter if you're half black half white it doesn't matter if you're light skin with light yeah. curly hair or you know darker skin at the end of the day we're all the yeah. same people so another thing that he said was kind of um uh, weird for me was when he said you know white women are less mm. opinionated um and i and i was just like bro like you are literally the epitome right now of internalized yeah. racism and you're you're not aware and that's okay it doesn't make him a bad person yeah. it still makes him a great person it still makes him lovable but it's just being unaware of that you could really like if he was having that kind of conversation with for example his sister like his literal direct biological yeah. sister that could just give her yeah. the wrong message and you know let her feel inferior to her white friends and her white allies. Yes. And I just thought it was kind of wrong. Yes. And there is this cloud. And and I I a hundred percent agree. Shout out to Naya, my sister, for really coming in mm -hmm. and just like you said, she articulated that so well because she she explained and her and I have this discussion all the time. We understand that as black people, we do have to hold ourselves accountable for taking initiatives to learn and to access certain resources that we know are not going to be made readily available to us. So yes, we do have to hold ourselves accountable, but what we won't be doing, what we won't be doing is pretending like black people just have the same access to certain things and that we're just blaming other people because we don't want to do the work. It That's not what we're going to do. And I, I agree. It, it was it was a comment that hurt me because especially when we start comparing the whole white woman to black woman, because I've heard it my whole life, you know, black men choose white women because of this. And I'm not talking about every black man, obviously. I'm just making a generalization based off the conversations that I've had with, um, I'll say, uh, less in tuned black men. <laughs> but uh, I've heard, you know, white women do make things easier. White women do um, are a little bit more submissive and they don't demand so much and they don't this and don't that. And from a very early age, I almost began to develop like this sort of resentment towards white women because I wanted to understand why is it that black men put them on this pedestal or certain black men put them on this pedestal. And I had to really understand white women have the freedom to not be oppressed. Of course. All right. You may say that black women may carry a certain attitude or whatever. First of all, there's cultural differences between every ethnicity or race. 100%. Secondly, if you want to get technical, if you're saying that white women act a certain way because they don't carry the same issues, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They are not systemically oppressed and not saying white women still don't go through, you know, life stuff because I know that they do. I'm not minimizing anything that any woman goes through. But what I'm saying is when you tack on being black, of course, I'm going to carry the weight of a world, the world in such a different way. And for you as a black man to minimize what I'm going through and basically kind of bring it down to a, a trait and character or a flaw, a flaw and character trait. Like maybe white women are less judgmental. Maybe they're allowed to be, right? you know, be a little bit less aware. Maybe they're allowed to be a little bit more careless because we're not up against the same thing. 
Right. And as a black man, I would hope that you would take the initiative to fully understand that and to be present with us in that. Totally. You said it so perfectly. And it goes back to, you know, your childhood where your grandparents were kind of putting in your mind that you stay away from the sun. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it's, they weren't telling you for you. They were telling you so that people don't see you in a certain way. Like as far as we know, black women have told, have been told not to be black women, basically. Yes, (laughs) yes, exactly. And especially coming from my grandparents, you know, my, uh, one of my grandmothers, she's very fair. Um, and I realized that a lot of the comments in regards to skin complexions would come from her. You know, she's from the deep South. So she felt like, and I mean, I'm, I'm assuming she feels this way. She bases her ideologies off of her experiences, but she does feel like currently that, you know, being too dark is a bad thing. Having too much textured or coarser hair is a bad thing. And so even growing up when I would go longer periods of time between getting my relaxers, which if you guys do or don't know is it helps you chemically straighten your hair. There were always remarks and comments being made, oh, your hair is nappy. Oh, and it, it would make me feel like I was walking around unkempt when really I just wanted to get a peek of what my natural hair texture looked like. And now obviously I haven't had a relaxer in God knows how long, well over five years, but I just, I really think that a lot of people, like I said, don't want to acknowledge the internalized racism because they're saying, how can I be internally racist if I'm black? And I'm like, and that's part of evolutionary psychology because we associate being lighter or being fair with being treated better, with having better genes, with having better access to certain things. And so, like you said, in terms of survival, I don't want my grandchild to be out here being black as hell during the summer or dark during the summer because I, I equate that to um, a, a, a sense of unhealthiness almost. Yeah, it's so true. It's so sad. And it's not... Um, a comparison at all. I'm just speaking in terms of the colorism that the South Asian community um, sort of has to deal with. And South Asians really use it as a privilege. And I'm sure, you know, some Black people do the same thing. But all of my life, I was I guess I was a lighter, lighter skinned Indian person, but I love, I would play outside for like seven hours from a, uh, since my childhood, I would come in and my mom would be like, you can't play outside tomorrow. You got too dark today. And I'd be like, oh damn, you know, like I'll wear long sleeves or something like stupid things like that. Even now as a grown ass woman, I will lay outside in the summer all day, every day, if I can, you know, me and Reina are out there every day. (laughs) And my aunts will be like, you've gotten really dark but it's like in a negative way they see dark as dirty and poor where I'm like it literally does not I guess I need to do more research and see where it really comes from um with the South Asian community but it absolutely has to do with hierarchy like you know people thinking they're better than each other because of color and it's just it's so backwards and it just reminds me of you know, the gentleman that was speaking on your live yesterday, uh, he was, some things he was saying yeah. was just so backwards and he doesn't realize <laughs> how backwards it's yeah. even when he was saying like, you mentioned an actress, um, who did you mention? 
Lupita, the actress oh, yes. from Black Panther. Yes, and she is beautiful. And he's just and you guys mentioned that she was gorgeous, and he's like gorgeous to you. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, you're he was trying so hard to make a point that not all black has to be beautiful. But for mm-hmm. me, it was just like Yeah. It why are you looking at someone in a way that you're kind of trying to take away any form of beauty, you know, if you can't find the beauty in, in someone or anyone, it's kind of a shallowness in you. And it's like, what, what are you looking to them for? And she has way more to offer than just the physical trait that you guys spoke of. Like he could be looking at her, um, in terms of being gorgeous in an intellectual way, but it was just like, because I feel like because you mentioned a black woman and he was so defensive, he just like shut it down right away. And then that's where his comments started coming in. And yeah, yeah, I felt like, I was just like, damn, he really, he really feels like that. And you'd want to know what's crazy. I actually, after the live ended, I, um, ended up contacting him privately because I'm like, no, like we need to discuss this. Yeah. Like, and, and, and not even in a way to uh, disrespect, and I'm referring to him, like disrespect him, but like, I need you to see why this dialogue really is not healthy yeah. <laughs> between a black woman and a black man. And I guess like you wanted to see where he was coming yes. from too, because I was genuinely curious as well. I was like, yeah. wow, like this guy has some knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, what are his experiences? Exactly. And so come to find out, you know, and I don't know, you know, how true or false this is but come to find out what was communicated to me was you know i was just trying to pull your leg when it when when he was trying to pull my leg when it came to to the lupita comment because he's like i think she's gorgeous but i just really wanted to see you know why you felt the way you felt and i was like i get that and i think for him one of the things where i i don't think we kind of found an understanding on was the fact that just because you're a black man doesn't mean you have to find somebody like lupita attractive you are absolutely you should be open to having certain preferences. But my whole point is that a lot of times, especially as Black Americans, we are taught to prefer Black people who do have more Eurocentric features or lighter skin. Right. I see this time and time again. Even for Black men who I see um, praise Black women or Black queen this or this, this, that, and the third. But when you look at exactly who they are enamored by or exactly who they praise the most they're not black women that look like lupita they're black women or mixed race or with looser right. textured hair or with more eurocentric features and so that's really what my point was like all every woman is beautiful if you want to get down to it and my sister always has the saying we're all ugly to somebody <laughs> It's okay if you don't find this specific actress beautiful, but like you said, that's not the point. The point is, <laughs> the point yeah. is, is that there yeah. is a heavy form of internalized racism inside of a lot of black men. A lot. Yeah. And you, I know you and your sister don't have the same dad. Yes. Yes. No, we don't. And you guys are both beautiful brown women, (laughs) but you do have different, I guess, shades of skin color. Did it affect you both growing up as sisters? Yes, absolutely. We got compared all the time, all the time. And it's funny because I'm actually darker than both my mom and my biological Mm. dad. Like my biological dad is probably a few shades lighter than my sister, all the time growing up, you know, I would hear because my sister always had really long, straight hair. She always wore her hair straight. 
And for me, I always kept my hair short intentionally. And especially once I stopped relaxing my hair, it was short and curly. So I would hear all the time, oh, Anaya's hair is so beautiful. Oh, Anaya, your skin tone is so great. Even when she got darker, like it would, she would just be praised based off of her physical features. And for me, it'd be like, oh, Shanir, you're so smart. Or <laughs> I remember even um, a relative of a relative, that's what I'll call her. Uh, okay. I remember my sister and I had each washed our hair and I believe my sister had did like a twist out so she had product and stuff in her hair but I hadn't put product in my afro yet so it was looking a little dry but more afro texture than what it normally looks and I remember this relative walking over and being like oh Anaya your hair is so beautiful Shanir what's wrong with your hair oh my god yes I remember just wanting to like I got so angry because I'm like even if I even if I had put product in my hair what is wrong with my hair being more Afro textured? Why do I always feel like we're being compared? Why do I always feel like I'm trying to challenge people's internalized racism just to get them to see like, yes, my sister and I look different. Yes, she may be lighter with longer, straighter hair, but that doesn't mean that her features are any less or more beautiful than mine. It just means that we're different, you know? Right. And it's crazy because there's this great divide with colorism. And it's so sad because you and your sister are the prime example of how it affects households yes. too. Like that's your sister. That's yes. your blood sister. Like you're growing up with people comparing you guys constantly yes. and that will make a little girl feel like shit. It does. It does. And I even, I even felt like I, I could even see, and not all or even a majority of my relatives, but certain family members treated my sister so much better. And I mean, I, I used to notice it, but as a child, I couldn't really communicate like the way I could can now. Like, why is it that you're treating her better? But when I got older and I brought it to my parents' attention, they had to admit it. They had to, and they, and they did. And they were like, you know what? We did notice that there was a difference. You know, we did notice that this person preferred to take your sister out more, let your sister swim longer than you, or be outside longer than you, or, you know, made less judgmental remarks in regards to your sister. And I'm like, all right, we have to stop normalizing this toxic behavior. We have to acknowledge it and hold people accountable. So based on what we just discussed with, you know, how colorism affected your your life, I guess, growing up with your sister, you know, because you guys looked a little different, how did it affect your relationship with other people, I guess, in terms of friends and then, you know, men or women that you may have been intimate with in your life? How did it affect you uh, that way? This is so, so good to talk about. So mm -hmm. when I reached the age of like 14, 15, obviously I got super interested in boys. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I literally was like, wow, like I, I finally started to understand what a strong attraction was because I was like, well, he's cute. He's cute. He's cute. Yep. And I remember, <laughs> I remember some of my earlier um, exchanges with boys were, oh yeah, you're pretty for a dark skin girl, but I, I like dating light skin girls. Oh my God. Like flat out like that. Yes. Flat out like that. And I remember just being like, well, what about my personality? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like what about my personality? What about my heart? Yes, exactly. And I'm just like, I felt so defenseless because I was like, all right, I'm not about to sit here and go back and forth with some little boy, you know, about why he didn't yeah. give chocolate girls a chance. 
But <laughs> it's apparent that you just, and most of these boys were dark skinned, darker than me. Oh my gosh. Men. Yes. They were not even fair skinned. Most of these boys that I had this conversation with were darker. And I remember even really liking this boy in the 10th grade and we talked and, you know, we would hang out and. I remember, and this is back in the MySpace days, but I remember one day going on his MySpace profile and realizing that in his top five, well, his number one <laughs> was this um, Puerto Rican girl. And I was like, wait. And I'm like, I thought we were talking. You know, I thought we were like dating. And he was like, well, you know, you know what they say about Puerto Rican girls. I need a Puerto Rican girl to be my girlfriend. And I kind of was oh like, my God. Oh my, oh shit. You know, excuse me, but like, are, is this guy serious? And I, I remember just feeling bad. And I remember looking at the fair skinned girls in high school and looking at um, Latinas and being like, wow, like I wish I could get the attention like them. I wish that I could have hair like them. I wish that I could be um, as appealing as they were. And it didn't matter mm-hmm. if these girls even had nice personalities or even what I considered to be nice bodies because I've heard, oh, what if they, she just had a better shape than you? And I'm like, that's subjective. You know, we all prefer certain shapes, so whatever. But <laughs> these yeah. women were just being praised because of their fairness of the skin or the looseness of their hair pattern. And I remember Like I said, although my mother had drilled in my head that my skin and my hair and everything was beautiful, I remember really telling myself, like, no. Like, my mom's just saying that because she's my mom. And the boys don't believe I'm beautiful. And I had great girlfriends who who adored my skin tone. Like, all my friends, they loved how chocolate I was. Um, And most of them being black themselves, they were fairer than me, but they embraced my skin tone. But guys, it was really hard. And that is, I truly believe why my first boyfriend was white. And <laughs> because it was white, honey, Wonder Bread white. All <laughs> That's right? so cute. And he was the first guy I had heard really appreciate my skin tone. Obviously, things are completely different now, but from a 17-year-old's perspective, he was the first guy I had met who was like, your skin is so beautiful. And it threw me off because I'm like, you're white. What are you talking about? Like, I didn't know white guys, white people appreciated brown skin tones. And then not only did he, was he enamored by my skin, but he appreciated my hair and he loved my hair when I wore it more Afro textured. Where's this white man now? <laughs> I don't know if I should answer that, but, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he's still around. Actually, I, I bump into him every so often and we actually have had conversations about this, but for the first time, I was like, wow, somebody actually appreciates my features. Yeah, that's so powerful. That's why I was asking, like, where is he now? Like, does he know the positive effect that he had on your life? He does. He definitely does. You know, I think life kind of hit him hard. (laughs) So, you know, I I, when I see him around, I think for him, you know, he's always coming and going. But I, I have always told him, like, you really did make me feel beautiful. Like, you shed light on something that I didn't think men or men at least of my age range and my skin color appreciated from my school like I said I can't say every black boy felt like this because mm-hmm. I I'm, I know they didn't but where I come from a lot of them did voice 
this popular opinion that dark-skinned girls were ugly, that they were ratchet, and X, Y, and Z. So um, mm-hmm. having him really appreciate my skin, I think, catalyzed this, this confidence in me where I was like, you know what? It's not just my mom who thinks my skin is beautiful. My skin is beautiful. It's not just my my yes. girlfriends or my best friends yes. who think my skin is beautiful. I'm beautiful and I'm pretty. And and once I was able to kind of project that confidence, it seemed like I began to attract over the next few years of my life these beautiful black men who acknowledged my skin complexion and who adored my skin complexion and my blackness. And so I don't know. I don't know if it's just, you know, these black men were learning like I was learning with time or if they always felt that way. But I felt like as soon as I started kind of viewing myself as beautiful and appreciating everything about me, I was able to kind of attract people in my life who felt the same. I feel like it started now that I'm talking to you about this. I feel like it started from this one person really telling you that your natural self is beautiful and it's not just it's your black skin it's your hair it's just your naturalness and who you are and you exude that like you literally are just the (laughs) if I was a married girl let me tell you okay (laughs) oh where's pearly in the mornings when I wake up (laughs) you look beautiful no but it's true and it's that kind of you know security and positivity for self that I think little girls need to feel and it's so beautiful that you had that at a certain age but you already go through life you know even if it's just for a few years with that mindset that being you know being told to hide yourself and hide your traits and downplay your natural features and your natural self it's it's just wild how like the tables are kind of turning but yet still yes exactly and I think as women especially as black women and black men when we could really look at ourselves and see beauty I mean beauty in our features beauty in in things that hold so much history. Like I look at my facial structure and not even that I just look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm pretty, but I see my great grandmother's eyes. I see uh, my grandmother's cheekbones. I see so much history in my future. And I'm like, this is richness. Like in one day I'll be able to pass this down to my children. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of us, especially in the Black community, because of evolutionary psychology and just generational um, mishaps, I'll call them, we have not been told how to really honor and praise our features. And now, because our features are being bought and being praised on women who don't look like us, it's like, oh yeah, now we can be happy to have big butts or fuller lips or this, but do we really fully understand what these features carry? You know, do we really understand why we're built this way? Why our skin is this color? Where we come from? Yes, it's so true. And this is not the case for everybody, but I know particularly you want to be a mother one day and you are looking forward to it. And it's beautiful because you're kind of doing the work now um, to kind of prepare yourself for that. And I just think when you do have children, when you have your first child, you're going to do such a justice to this new generation of colored babies that you're going to create because 
just like we were talking about a few minutes ago, you just need that one person, you know, to make you feel worthy, make you feel loved for your natural self. And it's actually beautiful that your mom did that early on. So you already had that. And I know you kind of went back and and were like, oh, she's just saying that because she's my mom. But now you can openly say like, no, like my mom had, she genuinely was embracing my my natural beauty and my natural self and I think that's so important for the next generation too and that's why it's really I commend you and your sister for reaching out to you know the person on your life to talk to them after because really even from him there's so much knowledge to be exchanged you know for you to learn from him and him to learn from you yes yes and what I've learned is for a lot of Black people who do carry that internalized racism, a lot of it comes from a place of feeling rejected or feeling like rejected from their own people or from our own people. Mm. Just the need to feel more loved, whether it be from a Black woman or from a Black man. And I've realized that over and over and over again. Like it never fails. Anytime I have a debate with somebody over their internalized racism, the, at the foundation of that deeply embedded dislove for themselves is. Uh, some sort of rejection that they've experienced or pain that they've experienced from somebody black. And especially with certain black men, I've had, and I, I'm, I'm a teacher as well. I didn't mention that, but I'm an instructor at a community college. Um, and I teach occasionally at a community center where I'm from. And mm-hmm. my students at the community center range from like 17 to 23. And I had a discussion with all of the black boys. Um, because the community center is predominantly black students. So I asked them, you know, do you guys like black women? And one out of like 12, one said, I like black women. The rest said no. And if I do date a girl, she's not dark skinned. And I was like, okay. I'm like, all right. So of course my heart broke a little inside, but I was like, Shanir, you can't take this personal because they've never been taught. And what I can do in this moment in time is either I can uh, reject them and begin demeaning them and their opinions, or I can listen, I can embrace them, and I can uh, combat their feelings with love and with understanding. And so sure enough, I told them, I said, did you know that most Black men who don't like Black women, Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about Black men who don't end up with Black women. I mean, those who literally say, I don't like Black women. They're this, they're that, they're they're whatever. A lot of times their first experience with emasculation from a Black woman is their mother. Literally about 90% of the boys all said that they didn't like how their moms made them feel during while they were being disciplined growing up. They didn't like how their mothers talked to them or how their mothers treated men. They didn't. And literally, as we started unlayering this, and I told them, this is not just Black dark skin or Black women who are capable of hurting you. You know, you have Mm -hmm. to understand that you have a deep trauma and you can't associate that. Although that's all you know, you can't associate that Mm -hmm. with being Black. You have to understand that Maybe your mom was in a space where she didn't know any better, but there are so many different types of black women and you deserve to expose yourself to these different types of black women. Don't just think and and sell yourself short thinking that all black women may treat you a certain way or act a certain way. Yeah. And I think a lot of black parents or, you know, colored parents take the approach of just 
it's a tough world out there. So we got to be yes. harsh from the get go. So let's be hard on yes. hard on the men. Let's be hard on the women. And let's just, this is how we set them up for success. And I don't know if yes. I'm, I can speak on that on behalf of black people, but I know that's very much true in the South Asian community where yes. the parents like will literally it hurt does. the child. It does. And you see a lot of pain and just a lot of yearning. And like I said, it's, it's, it's something that has been taught. It, we, as a, I feel like as Black people have lived in survival mode our entirety in this country. And now we're in a place where we want to live. It's not just about surviving anymore. We want to live. We want to mm-hmm. pour into our dreams. We want to have healthy, abundant relationships, not just relationships um, founded off of convenience and uh, stability or what we think is you know stability. But this huge transition that I'm seeing in people of color is that we want more because we know we deserve more. It's no longer just about surviving. It's I want to live an abundant life. And, you know, I encourage people of color to really explore their thoughts and their patterns and how they view themselves. And as I asked these little black boys who said they didn't like black girls, I said, has anybody ever told you that you were beautiful? And all of them said, no. And I'm like, so how can you identify beauty that looks like you if you were taught that you were never beautiful? You know what I mean? Exactly. Now, going into your adult life, you're you know, I guess more serious relationships, not that's not that I'm saying that one wasn't serious, because clearly it had an impactful feeling that it left on you and your life. What about in more recent relationships where you've dated black men or white men or other men from other parts of the world? Does it still kind of take a toll on your relationship? No, now it doesn't. And I'm not going to lie. I do come across some men every now and then who are complete a-holes, like who would just be like, uh, you know, still with that ignorant state of mind, like light skin versus dark skin. But about 90% of the men who I surround myself with, as well as who I date, especially who I date, they embrace my blackness. They embrace my skin. They, they, they prefer it. And that feels good. That feels good to be with a man where I know he prefers what I look like. He's not just with me because he feels like he's supposed to be, or he's not just with me because he feels like, or he's with me out of convenience. He's with me because he really views me as beautiful, you know? And it, it, it feels so good because, because I'm now experiencing that from black men, I'm able to love black men better. I'm able to appreciate certain things about black men that I wasn't appreciating before. I'm able to, uh, ask for what I need in Black men and and trust that they will give me what I need. And by that, I mean that um, being a 17-year-old, I didn't really know how to communicate to Black teenage boys how they were making me feel or, um, you know, things like that. But now, if there ever is a moment where a Black man makes me feel, um, or I allow a Black man to make me feel a certain type of way, I'm able to communicate that. I'm able to gain an understanding. I'm able to um, stand up for myself, you know, and it has made my experience dating so much greater. And um, now I date, well, for the last few years, I've dated predominantly Black men and I've seen a shift in their mentality. I've seen a shift in how Black men treat Black women now. Um, 
And I, I'm really honored to experience that. I, I never take it for granted. And I and I encourage Black men that I date, whether it works out or not, to continue to treat Black women well and to continue to love on us and nurture us and support us as we do them, you know? That's so beautiful. And it's really a growing experience for you both yes. together, you yes. know, because I just, I think it's a constant thing. Like, I don't know why, but people often ask me for relationship advice and I'm like, I'm not the <laughs> one. I, I'm one of those people. I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'll give you some advice and I'll end it with, but I don't know though. I don't know. Though. <laughs> so if you fuck up your life, it's not on yes. me. <laughs> but honestly, it takes constant work. And yes. even my husband, he has a lot of healing to do himself and he lost his parents a few years ago so there's a lot of unanswered questions that as a grown man he ha- has not been able to yeah. ask them um and you know one of his regrets is his dad was was older and he was born in Haiti and moved here later in his life and my husband just kind of missed out on asking him yeah. a lot of things so not just as women, but as adults, when you're in these types of relationships, if it's somebody who's biracial, I think it's good to be mindful of their journey and even the space that they need. And just recently we had a talk and he, and of course we're always there for each other, but he told me that he's kind of going on this new journey, trying to figure some things out. And he said, I just need you to hold my hand and be there for me. And yeah, and I was like, you know, I'm here. And if there's anything you need me to look into or do or say, you know, I'm on top of that too. But I'm, I think it's important that I kind of like preach this on all of my episodes, but being aware of um, the other person and being aware that they might not need to do things or hear things the same way that you do. I think is so important, especially with growing these relationships. And I just want to say thank you for being, and I know that you don't intentionally try to be an example for healthy relationships, but thank you for being that guiding light for so many of us women of color. And, you know, I look at you and your husband and I, I listen to your podcast. I read your posts and as a woman of color, loving a black biracial black man, as a black biracial black man, a biracial black man, you know, it's important that he has a strong support system. And you being a woman of color and being able to just really support him through his healing, but also giving him room to individually heal is is so important. And I think Raina, oh my gosh, she is so fortunate to have you as a mom because you're going to allow her to explore those different parts of herself. You know what I mean? Whether she chooses to identify a South Asian woman or as a Black woman, you're going to allow her that freedom to really explore herself and love up on herself in all different compartments and ways. And I think you do such a great job as, as just being culturally sensitive culturally intelligent like you really are exceptional we need more women like you who are at the forefront of our media outlets and who are encouraging and holding other women of color or women who aren't of color accountable so i can just honestly say your husband and your daughter and your future children are so fortunate to have you because it's not often especially for me and i i meet a lot of women it's not often I meet non-Black women who have the mm-hmm. out, the insight and the outlook that you have. And it's, it's, it's just so you. honorable. And I, I'm, I'm just grateful to have 
come across you and met you in my life, um, virtually met you, but you know, like, so it's just, I, I know I'm, I'm so happy for the new journey that your husband is embarking on. And I know he has the right support in his corner and alongside of him. Thank you. And I, that's so sweet of you to say, like, I never even thought of myself like that. I just feel the sense of responsibility to make sure that my, my baby girl knows she's loved in every way that she is. And it's more than me just learning the Haitian cuisine and learning a few Haitian words. I really make sure I know the roots of things. And I think that's what triggered my husband kind of thinking about, you know, I wish I could ask my dad these things because I will pick my husband's brain. I just think it takes a lot of work behind closed doors. And by the way, I love how you pronounce her name correctly. (laughs) A lot of people don't say it right. And I just still correct them. And I'm like, Reina, Reina, not Reina. (laughs) Some people probably can't tell the difference, which is fine. I know it's unintentional. But um, take a couple minutes to let us know everything you're working on. You always do these amazing events, too, that I'm going to be at one day. I'll continue supporting from afar, but I'm going to be there. please. Okay, so I have um, an emotional wellness platform um, named Solstice Sessions. And underneath that platform, I have many different sub-platforms. So I host and I curate events um, centered on collective conversation between women and men of color. Um, In these collective conversations, uh, they are themed... So, for example, I have an event called uh, How to Love a Black Man, What Black Women Want, a soul sexology event. And we discuss different realms of our cultures mixed with um, our perspectives and experiences and how to healthily love each other better. That's really what's at the foundation of every event, how to love each other better, how to communicate love and express love in a healthier way. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I do. And I also write for a men's column, um, under texture magazine or in texture magazine. So I'm always doing work, doing the work on myself, doing the work within my community, uh, because I'm a firm believer that even if I went and I felt like my life had, like my life couldn't get any better, I still wouldn't be at peace knowing that I'm not teaching or learning from people around me in my community who especially look like me. So that's really what my platform is all about. You know, we just have really dope conversations. And of course, wine, because I love wine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Always got the wine. Yes. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm working on. And I'm about to go on tour with my soul sexology event. So I'll be hosting, um, uh, my soul sexology event, which is about love, sex, and intimacy in communities of color. Um, and I'll be hosting that in, di- that in different cities like LA, Baltimore, Chicago, New York City, all types of cool different places. That's amazing. I'll share that page with all of the listeners as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Shanir, for everything that you do. Keep doing you. Keep hosting these amazing events and you share so much amazing information and knowledge and just about your things about yourself on your page. So I'm going to keep sharing it. Um, and let's do this again. Let's Please. talk more about your, your newest venture Please. that I'm, I'm Thank loving you, already. Thank you, for everything. Thank you for this podcast and just being an inspiration for brown women and girls everywhere. You truly are uh, a trailblazer. You really are. Uh, I'm still smiling. <laughs> but I'll take this opportunity to end it. And this was amazing. 
everybody i'm gonna post her links like i said and don't forget to comment let us know what you thought of this episode thank you all again for listening bye